0: Alright guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is Jason Saldivar out of South Texas. Now, Jason is an all-around outdoorsman from thermal hunting for hogs and nil guy to whitetail deer hunting, waterfowl hunting, catching reds and grouper and well, I don't know about grouper, snapper, maybe, and sharks on the ocean. Like he does it all, and I'm really excited because I plan on doing a lot more trips down to Texas here over the next few years and This is one of those places I've got to go check out from from going from shark hunting or gosh, shark fishing to being able to hunt other things within like 15 minutes of each other. Or in some cases, you like turn around and you've got opportunities at Game Animals. It sounds like a sweet place. But before we jump into the episode, I want to make you aware my audio on this is actually coming through my AirPods. And I've had a couple issues with my board lately. Which means I wasn't using my headset and my microphone, so the audio quality is not quite as good. You probably won't notice anything on his end, but definitely on my end, you will. All that said, let's jump into this episode with Jason.
1: Like, he was doing things that were just badass.
0: That was one of the coolest moments of my life. was really scared but knowing that Dan had the gun i did have the rifle like we would be okay all right guys welcome to today's show and joining me on the show today is jason saldivar out of texas jason what's going on man
1: what's going on brother nice to be on the show with you
0: yeah thanks for joining me um when you when you sent over the email answers of like what all you do what you're most passionate about and he started talking about nil guy and duck and and thermal hog and i'm like i just for some reason lately i've been kind of infatuated with texas hunting and you and i both know you more than i texas gets a bad rap for for hunting but it's like land of the free i mean you can you can they really leave it up to you as a landowner or as somebody hunting like what what you want to do how you want to pursue animals and they keep it pretty unrestricted and for the most part it seems like it's working because it doesn't seem like you guys are running out of animals anytime soon
1: exactly i mean on contrary even you know with the hogs how they a couple years ago they they allowed us to by any means you know get rid of hogs and so (laughs) that when they say any means you can literally blow up these hogs if you wanted to um, people go put ter- uh tamarite or whatever it's called and um, you know, bait it with a bunch of corn, shoot at it and just let these hogs just <laughs> disappear. But in, in, uh, in Texas, it's, it's unbelievable. The amount of game we have, I, I think it's just because we have a lot of open land, you know, we have a lot of open land between all these big cities and these deer are still able to uh, to grow and, and, and flourish out there. Down here in South Texas, we do have um, SpaceX that recently moved in, right? And that's at about 15 miles from from town. Um, we had a prime, you drive up to this place, it's Boca Chica Village, okay? Drive up to this, this road, jump on the sand, you drive about a quarter of a mile um, along the sand, You would literally get off your truck, you walk off to the side, you throw your decoys, your truck is right behind you. You Sit out with the, I mean, with your decoys, and within 10 to 15 minutes, you'd have your limit of redheads. I mean, now that's moved in, and and you as, as you mature as a hunter, you start seeing this, you know, as land is developed, as things start coming in. I went out there the last two years, I did not see one duck out there. You know, when I would go out there and see over. Ten thousand ducks. Just, I mean, you when you see cartoons and you see these um, bees swarming around and moving and whatnot. That's yeah. how a duck is out there sometimes. You don't see that in those areas where the development's coming. But I mean, regardless, we still have a bunch of land that you know these animals can just flourish. Um, a few days ago, actually, about a week ago, um, I was hunting with my buddy uh, Joel from Prodigy Fishing. He does land-based uh, shark fishing catches you know big old big old tigers um bull sharks all kinds of sharks um so we were thermal hunting when we were out there we were um scanning with thermals all of a sudden out of the brush an ocelot comes out so i don't know if you know an ocelot oh yeah only about estimated about 60 left in in our are in texas but they're mainly in our area in brownsville um so you know when we see that at first i was like that a bobcat no i see you know i see the ears then i see the tail and then so i start focusing my thermal and it gets clearer and it's clearly an ocelot so it's it's kind of crazy the amount of game that we do get to see out here you know you don't want to shoot an ocelot (laughs) you'll go (laughs) for that but you know it's like i said i mean i uh i'm a big deer hunter i'm a big duck hunter i'm a big neoga hunter but in the last four years i haven't shot a buck um, just because, you know, we, we try to go after something that's bigger and better because if not, then where's the chase, you know, where is the, yeah. the tribe to want to go out and, you know, put in the time. It's, it's a little bit different when you can just, um, and, and no hate to this, uh, uh you, you pay to go sit in a blind and, you know, the deer's already named and you shoot them. If you have that one weekend to go do that, amen, go do it. The more you can get out, the better. Um, but for me personally, I like to drive. I like to, you know, sit out and not see something for two or three days. I like to go fishing and get skunked for, you know, two or three outings and then come back and then get limits. I mean, that's what makes the, uh, I-, I believe the outdoors such a, um, a pleasure really, because if yeah. not, it, you know, you lose the pleasure and all of that, you, it, you lose the fun, you lose the drive and it it just becomes routine. And once, once the outdoors becomes routine um, you start you, you start not doing it. it. It's crazy. My dad, big time hunter, big time angler, but I haven't gotten him to go out in the woods in the last five years because he's just I've killed so many deer before. I've killed all the hogs before. You know, it's it's become so much, but it's just like you know back then they would shoot you know in one city they, if they could shoot three bucks they'd shoot the three bucks. You know now yeah. we've years without shooting a buck and uh, but Texas does provide. Big time, big time, big time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I talk about that exact thing that you just mentioned, you know, going out and getting skunked and then you get back out there and you have a limit or you shoot a buck. It it adds to it for sure. I mean, I get it. Like if you can go out there and shoot as many bucks as you want every day that you're out there, like it's going to get watered down and you're going to be like, oh man, this isn't, there's no challenge to it. You're not pushing yourself to be better at anything you know it'd be the same thing if i if i was like oh i'm going to go to the gym today and i'm going to go and walk on the treadmill for 5 minutes on the lowest setting what's the point of it you know you're not you're not pushing yourself at all and so the nice thing about texas is it seems like there's unending opportunities to push yourself you know you've got you've got the ranches that you can go out and hunt you've got public land that you can go out and hunt you've got i don't even know what the count of species is in that state that you can go and pursue obviously on private land the species are unending um but like the actual wild populations there you guys have to be up there for the most in the country
1: i i don't know what the exact number is um but i mean i i can go off and name a a bunch of them i mean it's it's crazy how we have a base system you know about 10 miles from our hometown um, so in that base system it's it's public land so you're allowed to hunt ducks for free you're allowed to hunt Neil Guy for free just got to know how to do it um, yeah so you know there's it, texas is one of the places too that you can actually drive a truck on the sand right you know along the shoreline um, so you're able to drive out to the jetties you're able to drive out to um, the shore and, and cast lines we do shark fishing we do um, you know, bird hunting, we do nail gun hunting, white wing, I mean, uh, whitetail, um, hog hunting. It's it's really whatever you want. You can find it in Texas. We don't have any elk. We don't have any bear. Um, every once in a while, a mountain lion will get killed. Um, but we really don't, you know, see mountain lions. We have a bunch of bob uh, bobcats. Um, but it's it's mainly, you know, hogs, deer, all the birds you can think of, all the ducks you can think of, all the geese. Well, no Canadian geese, but, you know, all kinds of geese. And um, it it truly is a paradise. What what really makes it a paradise, though, is that all those species that I talked about, I mean, all those, you know, from bird to big game to small game, you can find them in the same ranch. You don't have to. (laughs) These ranches back up into the bay, so you can literally duck hunt, Um, the, the, the water for redheads, pintails, widgeon, um, then in the afternoon, sit out literally within a hundred yards, sit out and see a neal guy or see a deer or, or shoot one. I mean, it it really is depending on what kind of access you have to land out here, but it's, uh, it's really unbelievable. The amount of, um, land and game that we're allowed to hunt. South Texas is also one of the the destinations for white wing hunting, right? So you know you plant sunflowers. We offer a free dove hunt to the public opening weekend. Um, we get a bunch of sponsors. They uh, donate food. They donate um, prizes, um, and so we basically the shoot the. You're allowed to start hunting at noon, and it stops at sunset. So we get every okay. around- more then. Um, it's a big old party, basically, you know what I mean? It's it's big old Texas party, drinks everywhere, guns everywhere, birds everywhere, dogs everywhere. But it's, it's a really, really good time. Um, and, and anybody that listens to this, if you're in Texas, if you're in this area, September open weekend dove hunt, um, you're invited. So come on out and, and dove hunt for free. There's free food, free drinks. And, um, growing up, I, I, I got into taunting through my father. Um, then I moved to San Antonio to go to school. When I was in San Antonio, it was I I had nowhere to hunt anymore, just because uh, our deer lease was in Raymondville, which was a four-hour drive. Couldn't afford to be driving every weekend with gas and whatnot. Um, so I started actually bird hunting. Um when I was five years old, it was deer hunting till I was about um 18 years old. That's when I started actually, you know, shooting a shotgun and getting into bird hunting and duck hunting. So me and my roommates would find these public land here in texas you pay 56 dollars for um, public land book and that public land book will give you um everywhere in texas that's public that you can go hunt and it'll tell you okay so this this property you're allowed to hunt rabbits with shotguns and then this property you're allowed to shoot deer antlerless or antlers um let's say with bow only and they give you all these permission i mean all these ranches and and it only costs you $56. So when you say oh, no place to hunt or it's too expensive to hunt. Well, I mean, if you want to be and, sh- and and shoot big old game. Yeah, it, it's expensive. But if you, if you want to get started, you know, you buy that public land access, $56. You go out and, and get yourself a little 22 and start with cottontail rabbits. You find them anywhere. You know what I mean? You find them anywhere and that gets you. Okay, well, let's, you know, you shoot, you, you take a kid or you, you learn yourself. You shoot a rabbit. You learn how to skin it. You learn how to gut it. You learn how to cook it. I mean, and then you, you, you realize, well, I did that from, you know, from the very start, you know, I, uh, I harvested the animal. I cleaned it. I took care of it. I not, not, you know, now it's in my body. It, it's crazy. You know? how it, it really works, but you can start with as simple as, you know, pont rabbits and they're all over the place. Down here, you can go to Academy and buy a Twenty-two uh, right long rifle for a hundred and ten dollars. So you, know, you really can't say uh, hunting is, is is expensive, and it's it's uh, undoable if you don't have land or you don't have a place to do it. It's it's truly a place you can do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So from I mean from that point when you were like, man, I don't have a ton of land that I can hunt close by. You know, you're figuring this stuff out with the the public lands book. How did that evolve into what you're doing today? Because now uh, you've got Buck Hook. You guys are taking people out. You're helping them experience all of the things that you've grown to love. Um, where where did that come from? What what made you decide to do that?
1: Okay, so, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I had a passion for hunting since I was five, since my dad took me the first time. Um, hunted throughout, you know, elementary middle school high school and then in college got with my roommates and we started hunting so buck hook was actually our club right quote unquote public land club um from there we started making stickers we started making shirts and a bunch of you know friends started you know following buying stuff and we started growing little by little um from in 2019 i moved back down to to brownsville texas um this is where our family ranch is. This is where paradise is. I mean, San Antonio is about a four hour drive from here, but like I was telling you, I didn't have anywhere to go shoot whitetail. I didn't have anywhere to go shoot neo guy. I didn't have anywhere to go shoot duck. And if you wanted to go shoot that stuff, um, you would have to pay, you know, it's the, the amounts are, are ridiculous. To, that is expensive. You know, duck kind I mean, all yeah. the down here in Texas is expensive just because it's, it's a hundred percent success. You are going to get on the game. You are going to get your harvest. I mean, it's going to happen, but um, it's, it, it was more like us friends just hanging out, doing stickers, selling shirts, doing caps and, and just making a little bit of extra money. When I moved back down to, to Brownsville, I have a buddy of mine. His name is Captain Guac. Well, his, his name is Aaron Rodriguez. He is the one that owns him and his dad own cat paws ranch, which is those 20 acres that I hunt on. Um, he is a captain for the Murphy's Law, which is a uh hundred, I mean, a, a hundred ton boat takes a hundred people, right? So he's a captain that can captain for a hundred people. And he takes some, you know, deep sea fishing, he takes some um, uh, dolphin watching. I mean, all everything that you can do, you know, on the bay side and, and offshore yeah. with head boats. Um, I get down and he's such a people person that I was like, hey, I need help, you know, moving this this brand. Um me personally, I don't like having a camera out while I'm hunting. I don't like, you know, give me my stuff and let me disappear into the woods personally. So he's the one that kind of taught me like, dude, you have to make more content. You have to start recording and you have to start, you know, recording yourself and doing a bunch of stuff so that you can actually get this out. Because if you don't, you know, if you don't put this out yourself, how are you going to get recognized? Right. So he's, uh, we teamed up and he's been helping me out, you know, push the, the Buckwick brand. And so I hunt on his ranch and I, we have our own ranch over here, which is 600 acres in Almito, Texas, where we do the, the hog hunting. Um, that's where we saw that awesome a lot recently, but it's, um, uh, it's it slowly, but surely we just have been consistent. We hunt. If you follow us on Instagram, you're going to see that five days out of the week, we're either hunting or fishing. We're either on the water, on the rocks, um, on the woods, but we're doing something, Every, it seems like almost every single day you know two days ago I was out and took a drive out to East Coast which is you get on South Padre Island once the road runs out you have to drive 26 miles along the shoreline on sand you get to the Port Mansfield jetties well out there we just caught our personal best redfish at 44 inches I mean the thing was massive right and so People are like, dude, you're so lucky. You're, nah, it's not that I'm lucky. I think it's just, you know, you don't realize the amount of work I put in, the amount of time that I spent out in the woods by myself or the amount of times I spent on the water, you know, with the group, just looking for the fish, making sure that we find it, because you'll see that, you know, for the one picture, or the one video that I posted, I mean, it took me two or three days to to finally get that, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not happening every single day. It's not happening. You know, I'm not killing uh, neo guy every single day. I'm not killing ducks every single day. Sometimes we do have those slow days, but it's just, we keep working and it, it's, we, we try to find consistency. But from there, I mean, the merch, you know, I, I moved back down to, to Brownsville, um, started doing more merch and um, had the opportunity to start doing hog hunts, you know, the, the thermal hog hunts. Just because we would go out there and we were using those green lights before we would go out there with my buddies, and, you know, just drive around really just to, to waste time. And we started running into a bunch of hogs out on the property. Um, and then from there, we're like, let's buy a thermal. We invested in thermal. And once we got the thermal, it was unbelievable. You you won't see a hog during the day out there. You turn on the thermal at night and you're going to see groups of 30, 40, 50. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> you don't understand it because there's houses not even 200 yards a full new developed uh, neighborhood 200 yards from those 600 uh, acres that we hunt and you think like how the hell are they not being pushed back out or pushed out but they're just they all that area has gone nocturnal that you just don't see anything in the day but at night there is a bunch of hogs
0: jeez i it, it's so wild to think that Pigs, as destructive as they are, as close to civilization as they're living, can just disappear like that. And I try to tell people when I go when I go hog hunting, uh, especially when we're just like on foot, daytime hog hunting, because I, I went and did that this year down in Georgia. I did it last year on some public land in Texas. And everyone's like, man, you'd think they you, you'd see them right there. You know, like we're walking through the woods. If there's a pig in here, we're going to see it. Right. I'm like, you don't understand. I mean, we used to raise pigs and these things would be three, 400 pounds in a five acre enclosure and almost all the ground vegetation wiped out because they eat everything. And I'm like, sometimes you go out there and you still can't find them. And you know, they're in there. And there were a couple of times where I was like, man, I got to walk the perimeter and make sure the fence didn't come down because I couldn't see them. And they would just like dig out a little wallow and they'd all just be, you know, just below ground level to where you can't see them when you're looking through the woods.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can, at least with us at night, when we're stalking them or we're trying to find them, you'll, you'll, down here, we call them senderos, which are, you know, the roads between all these brush lines. Um, You'll be driving down this little road and we're scanning and you'll see them just about five yards in the brush line, bedded down, not, not spooked with the truck, not moving, uh, I mean not that they're not spooked but they just they'll completely stay still and not move until you either shoot at them or till you drive off and, and you yeah I mean they've gotten pretty pretty smart and it's because of all the development that's going around in this area I mean we have it, it, we sold uh, it was 210 acres in two years in 210 acres about 40 houses went up in, that, in those acreage and it's like in two years so Jeez. Uh, the development is is ridiculous in our area, and it's just because we have SpaceX. Everybody wants to move down here. I mean, about four years ago, an acre was costing you about seven thousand. Um, right now, that same acre is costing you close to twenty. For this is this is farmland. This is you know ranch land. This is not. This is not your neighborhoods. I mean, this is something for you to go out and actually have some kind of hunting land, which is for us that's that's extremely expensive. I mean, extremely expensive to what it was because, you know, you when you you could buy twenty acres or you know even fifty acres at seven thousand acre. I mean, seven thousand dollars an acre. That's pretty good. Now yeah. jump 20, That's that's more than double in less than three years but it's just because SpaceX has come into our area and has started having a bunch of people move in. (laughs) It's crazy.
0: Dang. Yeah, that'd be rough. I mean, I know we've seen that here in the Midwest. Also land prices have gone through the roof and, you know, it's not because of a big business specifically moved in, but I think a lot of the coasts like West coast, East coast, they're all pushing inland, you know, and I feel like that Nashville, Atlanta like that whole line all the way down the country they got a bunch of people from the east coast they're selling their land or their property for cash and then they're like oh I can move to the midwest and buy something huge compared to where I lived and it's just like everybody just keeps moving and moving and moving closer to the center of the country and that's that's where in talking with my wife this year I was like we have to get land you know they're not making any more land Mm -hmm. and they're developing like crazy around here. And so, <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: I, I mean, it it's interesting to see, but also I look at it and I'm like, man, it's heartbreaking because you see these people that live out in the country, or at one point they did, and now they've got a 200-home subdivision butting up against their land. And I'm like, can you imagine growing up here and then all of a sudden now you're part of the city? Not, not by choice, you know, it's because it moved to you. And I think, I think here in the next, depending on how the economy goes, depending on how, um, you know, real estate goes, if they're going to continue building. I know right now it's kind of slowing down a little bit in some places, but it's going to be interesting to see how many people like us, outdoorsmen, are fighting over the same property, you know, to get to get access to it if it's private or just the hunting pressure side of it, if it's public. Uh, it's, It's gonna be interesting here in the next decade. All right, guys, I'm excited to introduce the new age of accessing private property for hunting and fishing with Infinite Outdoors. I joined the Infinite Outdoors crew on a duck hunt in Colorado this fall, and the experience was unmatched. We were able to book the property right on their app, get directions to the blind, and had the whole place to ourselves all for a super reasonable price. Infinite Outdoors has developed a unique way to combine conservation, technology, and private land access all through their US-built app and website. By working closely with landowners and on-staff biologists, they aim to bring you the best parts of accessing private land at the touch of a finger. They provide adventures for big game, turkeys, waterfowl, fly fishing, upland birds, small game, predators, and more. As yearly leases get more expensive and secluded public land gets harder to find, I believe this is the way of the future. To check it out for yourself, download the Infinite Outdoors app or visit infiniteoutdoorsusa.com and use code NOMADIC15 for 15% off your annual membership of thirty nine ninety
1: nine. Right, and Right, and, and it's funny how you say that because... We had a little scenario last year with a hunter. So on those 20 acres that were on um somebody bought 10 acres next to us. And on those 10 acres, there's an easement that you know is for, for three ranches. Well, the guy goes out and puts a blind on the easement, right? Like right on the easement. And th- that that easement on where he put it is actually on, on our, our property right so we call the game warden and the game warden comes and tells us hey um well we we need uh we need all the mapping done and um whatever so we get him the mapping and sure enough the blind is on his side well the guy you know took a whole year and, and, and you know like you're going back to fighting over the same land he never hunted it it took him a whole year to get that blind out we never hunted it because we didn't want to you know the, the bl- my blind was literally about 50 yards from his blind so we didn't want any kind of shooting accident or anything like that or get mad because hey i'm already in the blind you show up at seven o'clock in the morning spook everything or whatever it is so it's, yeah. it's like you know fighting over the same land it's it's the dumbest thing ever but you know we as hunters we we got to remember that we're the ones that are being attacked so we we got to stick together and not not be one against each other try to figure it out and um get things done as as one, not not against each other.
0: Yeah, and I, I think what we're gonna see a lot of is almost I'm trying to think of how you would put it, almost like an alliance or a a group that gets together and they go, Okay, hey, look, this area. I, I mean in the south you see it a lot, um, especially like Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia. Uh, where they've got these hunting leases, right? Where a bunch of guys will go in on a property together. And I think we're going to start seeing that more in different parts of the country. Um, But then on public land, I think we're going to see a lot more draw hunt opportunities where we already see it here in Missouri with waterfowl specifically. You go on certain public land, not all, but like the really good public hunting spots for waterfowl. And you got to show up at like 5 AM. You got to draw, a pill and whatever number of pill you get that's what order you're in for drawing a blind and i mean sometimes it sucks this last time we went up there we drove a couple hours we got up super early all met up loaded our gear up drove up a couple hours get there and they only had i want to say they had 18 blinds open for waterfowl that day and we drew pill like 26 so it's like oh sorry guys you're not hunting today and I'm like, man, this is a bummer. But hopefully with with different conservation organization efforts, there's more opportunity in the future. And it's not just like, hey, there's no more of it. Sorry. Like now your odds go down and down and down every year as more and more people uh, start hunting these areas. Hopefully, you know, the conservation organizations and departments within the state will start creating more public land opportunities or places that have a significant amount of game enough to gain the attention of hunters
1: right and and that's what i mean with me you know doing that that free dove hunt i i want to network with all the people that hunt and all the people that fish yeah. in you know what i mean i want to be friends with all of them i want to um i'm not here to steal your fishing spot i'm not here I want to hear your stories, man. I want to learn from you. I want to, you know, hopefully get opportunities to hunt different game and, you know, basically like what I said, learn from you and and hopefully you learn from me. And that's what I do with that dove hunt. I want the first year we had 150 people come out. Um, second year we had close to 500 people come out. This will be the third year. So it's, it's growing. Right. And, and back to, you know, getting that. I want, I want to, I want at least locally, I want our community to all be one, right? You know, all together, all hunt together. The more, there's another company down here, um, Yellow, they're called Yellowtail. They do um, wade fishes, right? And they'll get, you know, 50 people to go out and wade fish together in one spot. And, and then all that meat that they catch is donated to somebody locally or something locally. Um, That, that's the kind of groups that I want to, you know, bring out to the community i want to grow i want to grow in the sense of like children you know the elderly women um get get everybody involved in hunting and like i told you it doesn't have to be big old game it can start with rabbits i mean for us we're lucky that we have that land where we can it's a dove hunting prime so we don't have to plant any sunflowers you just wait there and and sure enough about an hour and a half before sunset doves start flying and you'll get your limit and if, if I can offer it to, and I offer, I sell hunts after that, but the opening weekend, when it's the best hunt of the year, I offer it free because I, I want to give back to the community. I want them to know like, Hey, this guy's a hunter. This guy can share with us. Like, let's share our, our knowledge with him or let's share it to the next person. There's a lot of people down here that are very stingy with, um, with, with just I don't want to say their land because it's not their land, but, you know, their fishing spots or their their guys uh, hunting lands or whatever the case may be. And I understand it because there's so many people that do come down to South Texas to chase Neo or to chase whatever the case may be, that you can, you know, you can run out of resources. But Texas is is. You know, very smart. The Texas, Texas Parks and Wildlife and the Game Wardens are very smart in, in what they do in trying to keep these populations up. I mean, we started off in the 50s with three Neo guy, and now there's over 30,000 of them. I mean, they have to go out and in our area, they go out. This last year was the first year they hadn't done it in years, but they hire this company to come in and shoot these guys because these guys carry this tick. Um, this tick doesn't do any harm to them, but if it gets on cattle, it can kill the cattle. Um, so what they do is they hire this, these, these companies to come in with helicopters. And for the last couple of years, besides last year, they were shooting about a thousand to a thousand five hundred guy from helicopters. They would go pick up the meat and then they'd ship it off to New York, ship it off to Seattle, and then to these high-end restaurants. Um, A lot of people down here were like, well, hey, that's, you know, these ticks aren't, aren't really a problem. I haven't done my research on them. um, But a lot of people talk about these ticks not being that big of a problem, that it was more like a scheme to make money. And, you know, with these neo guy, but uh, there is so many that they, they create these scenarios of why they need to be taken out because they're considered an invasive species. They're not, you know, from here. So to go shoot them, You don't need a, you know, you don't need a, um, there's no season it's, it's year round. It can be daylight, nighttime. I mean, it's, it's open and these animals get to about seven, 800 pounds. So you're talking about a massive old animal.
0: I didn't realize they were that big, seven to 800 pounds.
1: I mean, a fully grown Neo guys is anywhere from seven to 800 pounds.
0: Holy cow. Yeah, I'm gonna have to come check those things out, man. That sounds insane. And um, I I get what you're saying about like, hey, not being stingy about your spot. I also think I view it from the point of like, if if you're going to give up your spot, bring someone with you, you know, like teach them how to do it, because it's not going to benefit anybody. If the general public knows where you're hunting, where where you're killing all of this stuff, they come in, they blow all the animals out. They have irresponsible hunting practices, whatever that looks like. Um, you know, if you can get somebody out there, that's how I am on, on the private land that I've got access to. I'm inviting people all the time. Hey, come turkey hunt with me. Hey, come a squirrel, come rabbit, come, come duck hunt, whatever it is. Like I enjoy the camaraderie of it, the community of it, and hopefully I can play a small part in somebody getting hooked on, even if they've hunted their whole lives, they might've been a white-tailed deer hunter their whole life. But if they come out and they're like, dude, squirrel hunting's a ton of fun. I'm going to start doing this. Well, Hey, that's more, that's more investment into hunting as a whole. And, you know, eventually that money makes its way to conservation.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and and yeah, you're right on that. I I don't mean to say like stingy in the sense that they don't want to tell us. It's just being more open to talking to hunters. Being more open. To oh talking. yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of these people get in the sense of um, just you know, you're gonna steal information from them, and the less they talk, the better it is for them. And it's like, no, I want to spread the word. I want to, you know. I want to spread my hunting and my fishing with, with the community. The more people I have, the better. I mean, my goal this year is to have over a thousand hunters out on the, the dove hunt. You know what I mean? If that comes, comes to life, then Hey, we're, we're doing progress. More people are hearing about it. More people want to join it. You know, more people want to be involved. And it's the more, you know, the first year I had three sponsors last year I had seven sponsors. So, you know, this year I'm already at 13 sponsors, so it's, it's, it's growing. I mean, it's, it's, it's little by little, the community's getting involved and that's, that's my whole thing with Cook. You know, you, you asked me what's, you know, what, how did you get started and what's your thing? I mean, my thing with Cook is I want it to be a community um, organization somewhere where people have, you know, one hunt. One, I'm not saying always a place to hunt, but at least one hunt a year, maybe one yeah. guy fishing a year. That you know, we keep these people alive, you know, in the sport because like my dad, you know, he doesn't hunt anymore. And it's it it sucks because, dude, you showed me how to hunt. You showed me how to walk through these woods and how to do all this stuff in the water. And that's like I, I do it by myself. You don't, you don't want to come out and oh, it's a, a crying little thing, but no, you know, I I it, I want to spend time with the person that showed me how to do it. And so the more yeah. people you show, the, you know, the more friends you're going to have out in the woods, the more friends you're going to have out in the water, especially out in the water, when something goes wrong with a boat, you know, boats are breaking down constantly. The more people you know, the better off you are, especially out in the bay.
0: Yeah, I'm curious. uh, One thing you had mentioned briefly a little bit ago was, you know, the invasive species, how a lot of people understand like, hey, with invasive species, there's not really limits. Some of them don't even have tag requirements or or timeframes or whatever, like you can just go and shoot them, however, whenever. Do you think that that's going to come to an end at some point? Like when Nilgai have been on the landscape for 30 years, are they going to start regulating it more now that it's, you know, there's been a whole generation of people that have got to experience having the resource on the landscape and then take advantage of that by selling tags or, you, you know, does that make sense? Is that question... Yes. Yes. Right.
1: So, so in that sense, I I don't have enough knowledge to know. You know, if let's say Texas Parks and Wild or yeah, Texas Parks and Wildlife will say, "Hey, um, we're, we're going to start offering tags for neo guy." Um, they do offer a neo guy hunt, a public, you know, you, a draw hunt. But um, other than that, there's no, you know, no season. But in the sense of of hunting, I don't know. I have noticed that a lot of the farming community um, do complain about Neogai, um, just because, and, and not farming, sorry, ranching community complain about Neogai because they say that the Neogai will go and eat the same thing the cow do, does, right? So if you have these, these ranches that are holding all these cattle, um, and you have the same amount of Neogai in there roaming through there, it's, it's, it could become a problem, um, since where they can start maybe tagging on, maybe start doing some kind of, um, some kind of season to where they get you know all this public land because in South Texas, I believe only three percent is public, 97 percent of land is is private, so only three percent, yeah. And, um, I, I off topic a little bit, you you know, you, you were talking about duck hunting inland, we don't have that down here in Texas, really, unless it's private, you do not have public places to go duck hunt. The only public places you have to go duck hunt is along the coast, which is great. I mean, it's if you've never coastal duck hunted, I recommend it. There is an abundance of ducks, Um, but it's we don't have that freshwater duck hunting. It's it's and if you do, it's like I said, it's on it's on public land because there's not going to be anywhere where you can go out and it's uh, first one to the hole gets the spot. No, you don't have anything like that in Texas, but you do have the coast. Where in the coast, you go find any little island, you know, spoil bank with mangroves on it. You hide in those mangroves, throw out, you know, two dozen decoys, and you're going to get your limit. It's, you're going to get on them. Um, but those, going back to the Neo guy, I, um, I I don't know. I mean, I could see there be, there becoming some kind of season and some kind of, um, you know, program to, to to maybe expand them throughout Texas. But I don't know if they do survive. You know, they when we had that freeze two years ago, we had a bunch of them die. Uh, but they do not do uh, well with cold at all, at all, at all. So that's why they tend to stay from Corpus down. It's rare to see them, you know, anywhere above Corpus Christi.
0: Yeah, that's it, it's that's one thing that you you see with invasives or non natives. Like, it has to be the right environment for them, unless they're just a hardy animal. Like, pigs, obviously, they can survive in just about anything. I mean, they're some of the most prolific animals out there. Um, But with Nilgai, I guess I didn't think about that. When you guys do have the severe winter weather down there, that's got to be very brutal on them. Um, Walk me through, though. What nilgai, I mean, like, what do you do as far as nilgai hunting goes? Cause obviously a seven to 800 pound animal, that's a big animal. I don't know what they, how tall they stand at the head, but you know, they're probably looking over a lot of brush. I would imagine they've got similar senses to a deer when you guys hunt them. I mean, are you guys spot and stock hunting them? Are you doing it with thermals at night? How do you go about chasing after one of those?
1: So there's, there's different ways that we actually harvest them. I'll start with the day hunting, okay? The day hunting is is during hunting season, white-tail hunting season, we sit in blinds. Um, our sits are from about five in the morning to you know nine in the morning, and then we'll go back out in the afternoon from about two or three, so it gets dark. Um, Neogai love to move around 10 o'clock in the morning. They get up and they go explore around that time. Um, So if you're sitting in the blind and you, you, you know, you want to sit out a little bit longer, chances are that if you're going to see a nail guy, I'm not saying you are, but if you were to see a nail guy, the best chances to see him moving around is during the day and around 10 o'clock in the morning. Okay. Um, So you'll sit out there, they come out, you know, they don't need anything that we might throw out. They only eat hay, they eat um, leaves from the grass, I mean, from the trees. Um, they don't need anything that really humans touch. They're very, very smart animals. Um, yeah. But you'll you'll see them cross the road and you just, you know, you'll yell, try to get them to stop and get your rifle out and get a shot off. I mean, that's, that's the only really way to hunt them in our area. Um, you can spot and stalk, but our area is very wooded. So there's no, it's not open fields like the King Ranch has and things like that. Um, the other way we do it, and this is how we sell hunts, is um, at night with thermal imaging um, in the Laguna Madre, the lower Laguna Madre. So I'll walk you through a scenario of how we do it. it um, we, we'll meet out at the boat ramp around 830 in the afternoon, at night, sorry, um, get everybody on the boat, and then we'll take off into the bay. Um, we'll go along the shoreline where I was t- talking about these, these um these canals and these spoil banks that they they did so to get water back into these ranches back in the 50s so you get on onyx and you're looking at where you are within the map and you're trying to see if you can you have you're scanning out to the wall i mean out to the land while you're on the water on the boat and you're looking at your phone at the same time seeing okay what i see over there is it on public or is it on private land so before anything, you got to make sure that that animal is on public land, right? Um, the whole time that we're scanning, we're on public land because as long as you are on water, as long as there is a splash of water, you are on public land. And actually, they consider it the high tide line. So if the water goes up, you know, fifty yards up high tide, but while we're scanning, the water came down fifty yards off the shoreline. Um, that's that's still considered. Um, private I mean public land so we're okay. scanning yeah we're scanning we're making sure that we're we find uh we're scanning on on public land once we find a neo guy and you can tell by the silhouette of the 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 animal once we find the, the neo guy we'll basically stop everything we're doing turn off the engine or, or get on neutral and then we'll we'll plan our way to to get the animal um a lot of the times it's it's first 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 is how can we get the boat to, to work the wind, right? Um, a lot of the times we're at about a foot of water. So shallow water is, that's all we're around. It's not deep water where we're at. It's very shallow. So if you don't have an airboat, we're on, on shallow boats. If you don't have an airboat, we're getting stuck a lot, right? We're Getting off and having to push. Um, so we try to figure out the route to work the wind the best. Um, once we figure that out, you know, we'll move to where we need to. Again, making sure we're on public land, um, and then we'll start our stock. We'll get off the boat. We'll get tripods for the rifles um, and the thermals, and then we'll try to try to get as close as possible. Normally, we're at about 200 to 300 yards. Um, we're shooting a, a 5.56, five, three, 300 blackout, or a um, a 6.5 creamer, um, all of them on, on thermal. So depending on how far it is, is the, the rifle that we're going to use. Um, so we'll just work the wind we'll we'll work our way in and once we uh we basically wait to the last second to, to to take the shot they tend the way they works down here is we have a bunch of spoil spoil banks or spoil islands where they dug up these canals through the, the sand off to the side um, mangroves grow all in that area and these neo guy will walk from island to island you know looking for food but what they do is they bed down or or the walk, you know, along the mangrove, the brush line, and then they'll have a bay system off to one side. So anything that, I mean, bounce wave, uh, sound waves that bounce off the the bay, they hear that, they'll get up, and then they'll walk into the mangroves and they basically disappear, right? So as soon as, you know, once we spot one, we start working our way to him. As soon as we see that he starts making movement to get up, it's like, okay, set the tripod, put the rifle on it. Okay, as soon as he get up, Take your shot. you need to take another shot, take and you keep shooting until you drop them because these animals are extremely tough, extremely, extremely tough. We shoot them with seven millimeter mag sometimes. it'll hit solid hit and you'll still have to chase them you know two, three, four hundred yards and it's it's when you're having to do that, it's a pain in the butt. but um okay, so let's say you know the shot is a success, the animal fell. From there, we're still in water, right? We're about a foot water. So we're walking through the marsh, getting to these neogai. Once we get to the neogai is we butcher, we do everything out there on the water. Um, that way we can carry a leg at a time back to the boat. Um, once we do harvest an animal, it takes about two to three hours to get, you know, to, skin, uh, not, we don't skin it. We just quarter, you know, each leg, take the straps off, um, take the head off, and then we'll take, you know, leave the rest out there. And, uh start our hike back to the water, but it's, it's a process. I mean, it's, it's a lot of the time it's just, you're scanning, you know, you're scanning and, and looking at your phone, making sure you are on public land. Last thing you want to do is get caught, you know, shooting an animal on private land and having, or the, the refuge, because a lot of it is, is national refuge. Um, you don't want them game wardens knocking on your door. That last thing you want. And so, you know, that's, um, uh, it's a team effort you know there's usually one person that makes the shot but it usually takes about three to four guys to make this happen um two two guys two to three guys to to you know to make it happen and then a fourth guy to to be maneuvering the boat and and maneuvering the shallow waters uh a lot of the time man we you know sometimes the hunts that we do offer is a three-day hunt just because we have to work the, sh- the the tides, right? You know, high tide, low tide, when it's high tide, we will get lucky and have a foot and a half of water. When it's low tide, we're like on eight or nine inches of water. And it's like, man, uh, we can go here, but then we, we might not be able to get out until the morning. So we might have to stay there all night, but you know, we'll be able to get it here. And so we just, we work, we work with what we got. It's, it's really, uh, I mean, I can't say we're not blessed. We're truly blessed, but it's uh, sometimes it's a struggle, but it's, like i said it's the chase you know it's the chase it's different if we were just you know um had them in a high fence ranch and we we knew the name to every new guy we but no we we actually have to go out there work you know work our butts off and you know even just walking through the marsh you're sometimes thinking like why the hell am i doing this to myself but it's uh, it's a passion it truly is a passion
0: all right guys if you've been listening to the podcast i'm sure you've heard me talk about the helicopter hog hunt that i did down in texas now i went down there with rogue texan outfitters and lannon and brandon the owners put us on the animals we killed 150 pigs and 19 coyotes just from the air on top of that we went out thermal hunting at night and got up close and personal to more hogs i didn't have to worry about bringing guns or ammunition because all of that was provided for me and it is to this day the most action-packed day of hunting I've ever had I stand by what I've said in the past and that's that helicopter hog hunting is the funnest thing that you can do with pants on in addition they offer sandhill crane hunts and predator calling so if you're looking for the most exciting hunt of your life and something that you're going to want to come back and do year after year go check out rogue texan.com and book your hunt today so I mean, this, this all is crazy to me, the idea of, you know, boating in shooting animals as they're trying to get from one island to another and having to process everything out in a foot of water like that's, that's all pretty wild to me. But are these like, when you're out there with your thermal imaging stuff, what is the terrain like, you know, is it is it tall brush to where you're having a hard time spotting them? Or if they're out there, you're seeing them plain as day. And then also, are they solitary animals? Or are you seeing them in like groups of two, three, half a dozen? What is that like?
1: So you'll see them in herds. You'll see them in herds. And then let's say a herd of 12, 13. And they'll have about one or two big, big bulls with them. Um, And then the big bulls will roam by themselves as well, looking for females. When they're in heat, but uh, usually you'll see them in herds. And the mangroves, the mangroves here, the problem is there's a lot of spoil banks. And then there's a lot of like uh, these spoil banks are some of them are about 14, 15 foot high. So they grow these mangroves and they grow um, mesquite out there, believe it or not. They'll grow mesquite um, trees out there. And it's just from the birds going out and pooping up, pooping the seeds out there. And they just, you know, eventually have trees. But the mangroves are pretty tall. And then um, just the way – when you're looking at the terrain, let's say, you know, you're looking – behind you is all open bay, right? In front of you, you're looking at islands, maybe, you know, 100-acre islands, 400-acre islands, um, and then further back is the mainland. So all those little islands are just spoil banks of you know the intercoastal, all the dirt. I mean, all the sand and mud and everything that they took off from the intercoastal, they go throw it on there. But the animals go out and, and live out there. You, it's it's ridiculous to see some of the white tail that's out there. We've tried hunting the white tail out there on the public land. It's just it, those are extremely hard, extremely hard because during the day you you cannot get close, not to Neogai, not to to white tail. The only way you can get close to them is at night. And it's, I mean, it's Neil And just because it's legal to shoot. If, you know, other than that, you you would have no success out there during the day.
0: Jeez. I, man, the different, I mean, just the different types of hunts that you have for the same species blows my mind. On top of that, I mean, you're hunting multiple exotics, so there's no season. You can do this year round. And then you're hunting the the native species, which have their seasons, which, you know, are pretty, a lot more locked down. Um, out of all of this, like, what is your favorite? Maybe, why don't we do it two ways? What is your favorite to hunt and what is your favorite to guide?
1: Okay, so my favorite hunt is duck hunting, definitely duck hunting. Um, I like the process of, you know, waking up at three, four in the morning, getting the boat ready, getting decoys ready, going out to the dock, um, you know, everybody on the dock putting on their waders, getting all the camel on and then heading out on the boat. I love being on the bay, man. It's, uh, you know, I love hunting and I love fishing, but if I, I, I love hunting more than I love fishing, but I like being in the water more than I like being in the woods, if that makes sense. Yeah. So with Neoga hunting and with duck hunting, where we fish is where we do in our Neoga hunts. Where we fish is where, you know, we do our duck hunting. So we have, we do cast and blast as well. The same blind we duck hunt is the same blind we can sit and catch redfish or trout or, um you know, sheephead or flounder. It's 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 unbelievable. I mean, you, you got to come out here one time with us, man.
0: Dude, it's, I have to, man. Even just looking us. at the...
1: It's on us. Come out and, and enjoy... A, No, we can get you on a Neo guy and do some hog hunting and then do some fishing. Some saltwater fishing is is definitely is is an adventure as well.
0: Hey, I was looking right before we hopped on the call. I've been looking over the past several days at the website and even looking at like that that shark fishing, that land-based shark fishing. I can't believe how big a shark's I I've seen a guy catch a couple sharks like down in Florida. Me and my kids and my wife, we were at the beach and this guy caught like a black tip shark. I think that's what they're called. I don't I'm not I don't know a lot about saltwater fishing, period, but he caught a couple and they were like three or four feet. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is insane. Like you're catching sharks like this right here where we're swimming and hanging out. And then I see the pictures on on Buck Hook website, and I'm like, Holy cow, man, some of those bull sharks and tiger sharks are giant. What do you, I mean, what do you do with those? Like, is it catch and release?
1: Yeah. So with, with the shark fishing um, and I'm going back to, you know, I like to network with my community. Um, The shark fishing is done by a buddy of mine, Captain Joel Ibarra, right? Um, He's a little guy. He's about five, seven um, skinny little guy, but you know, catches these monster sharks. So uh, he, what he does is uh, he basically, well, on, on Texas coast you're able to drive on the sand, right? Um, so he pulls his jet ski out to the sand and then from the the shoreline, he'll drive, uh, he'll take his baits out anywhere from about 400 to 800 yards out. And he'll drop these baits of, it could be, I mean, anything from drum to mullet to whiting to a lot of stingray. Um, and so he'll drop them and then come back in a jet ski. And then it's just a, a waiting game, right? He has this big old tower that he has on his truck. He actually a couple of years ago he actually won the Texas uh, shark fishing tur- uh, tournament, so he won a twenty thousand dollar prize, uh, a truck rack, a shark truck rack, a bunch of rods that were like extremely expensive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean the way he does his charters and and how we help each other is I I get him all the shark and you know I I send over shark fishing customers and he sends all his um, shark fishing customers that want to do hog hunting right so we just work with each other and. And help each other out but what he does is um he, he basically does morning trips or afternoon trip um gets you know if you want to go out there he'll tell you to come out with the whole family and while you're out there he'll you know he'll take out the bait he'll set up for you he'll cook out for you and once you're out there it's uh it's just a waiting game um it's it's about 98 success rate it's a very rare when he doesn't catch a shark Um, And the only reason he he doesn't catch, you know, when it doesn't happen, it's just because there's not, there's not any bait in the area to, you know, fresh bait to get. Um, But other than that, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of sharks that are in our area and how close they are to us. I mean, how close they are swimming to people and people have no clue that, you know, they're in the waters. Um, But it's uh, that charter itself is, is one that I recommend for, anybody that wants to get a family group out together. Right. Um, You know, there's, you're out on the beach, the kids can be playing, making their sandcastle doing whatnot while you're, you know, the dad and the mom are out actually trying to get, you know, a big old seven foot, eight foot uh, shark Um, down here, tiger sharks. We have uh, bull sharks. We have black tips. uh, We have hammerheads. Um, My, you know, that my buddy Joel, this past winter he was on day six, okay, day six of charter. He's sleeping out on the beach for six consecutive days because he would have a trip in the morning, a trip in the afternoon, a trip in the morning, a trip in the afternoon for six consecutive days with a hundred percent success rate, getting each customer a shark. That he was his 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 guides were over, and he's like, you know what? It's six days. I'm gonna stay seven day for myself. He ends up catching the biggest bull shark. I mean, the biggest tiger shark he's ever caught, right? Being at twelve inches seven. I mean, twelve feet seven inches. You know, solo. This little kid. Oh my <laughs> gosh. About five seven. Um, it's 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 really an ex. It's really an experience. And so, if you come down, we'll try that as well. Um, this this summer, I was able to put my girlfriend. We were able to put my girlfriend on a on a seven seven foot ten inch um, bull shark. So we were out. It was, you know, sunset had already happened. It was around 11 o'clock p.m. Um, and we're all sitting around the campfire. We're out on the beach, you know, big old bonfire. And all of a sudden, you just hear the 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 real go up. And it's funny, when it goes off, you know, there's usually about anywhere from five to 10 to 15 guys out there on the beach. Everybody has their shark racks out, lines out, right? But as soon as one goes off, everybody, you know, figures out which line it is, and they all go, you know, help each other out to make catch that shark, tag it, uh, measure it, get everything they need to to report it, and then release it as soon as possible so it doesn't die, right? We don't don't keep these sharks. Um, So we're out there, and it's like 1130 o'clock, almost midnight, and everybody's already going down. Some people are already asleep, and all of a sudden, we just hear that drag start going off. And so um, my girlfriend's out there, and we're like, who wants it you want it And she's like yeah yeah sure so she climbs up on a tower and her friend climbs up on a tower and so she's fighting the, the shark on the actual tower rack on the fish holder and so she's cranking and she's cranking and she's cranking and it, it seems like she's only gained about an inch from all that cranking um so we're like hey do you want to put on the strap and she's like sure so you know she's still cranking so us around her strapping her into the the shark the belt and whatnot so we get the rod off the rod holder and we put it on her belt and she's holding it. And so we're still holding on to it at this time. We're like, okay, are you ready? Yes, we're going to let go. Are you sure you're ready? Yes, I'm ready. I'm, you know, She's leaning back, kind of squatting down, holding on the thing. As soon as we let go, she gets slammed into the rail. I mean, the force of these sharks, you're on land and these things are on water. But the force of these sharks is... You just got to experience it. There's no way of describing what it is until you experience it. I mean, she starts yelling because she was leaning on the backside of the tower and she just got slammed into the front part of the tower. And it's just like, you know, you got to keep going because if not, you can't say that you you got this. So um, it took us about an hour and a half to, to, and it, it was just her and her friend, you know, and I, and there's a video on Instagram of it. But, um, you know, she's holding the rod on one side, cranking with the belt, and her friends on the other side holding the rod as well, but from the other side, and they just take turns just cranking that rod, and it took them about an hour and a half before we were able to get it in, tag it, and then, you know, release it again, but um, all that success is from my buddy Joel. I mean, he, he is the ultimate shark, you know, fishing guy down here because he puts in the work. I mean, there's no other guy staying on the beach seven consecutive days, and it's, it seems like it's a gift from God. You know, you work, you know, so hard those six days. It's like you want to reward yourself. Here you go. Here's the, the best shark of your life, basically. And it's uh, I, um, if you do come down, we'll, we'll definitely go out, you know, two nights or a night and a half and, and get you out on a big old shark like that, because they're out there. <laughs> they're definitely out there, man. It's uh, it's a, it's a full cool experience. And like I was saying, it's, it's something that you can do with, with the whole family. It's, you bring the kids, you bring the newborns. It doesn't matter, you know. It's the the lines are set; they're way out there. The kids can even be in the water. There's not going to be any, you know, any harm in in the near vicinity. So it's uh, it's definitely a good good time. And we you know dad and mom get to catch a big old shark. <laughs> so it's yeah. not something that, that people get to do often. And a That's lot uneasy. of a lot of people do it. You know, a, a lot of people try it, but not having the knowledge, not having the equipment. You know, those jet skis. You don't have that jet ski. Who's gonna Who's gonna take out a bait eight hundred yards? Who's gonna kayak a bait? Yeah. You're not gonna do that. And then against surf, you're not gonna do that. So it's it's you know the work equals success. It it truly does.
0: That's a that's an easy sell for me to sell to my wife. Like, hey babe, we're gonna go down to Texas. We're gonna do some hunting and fishing. But when we're fishing, you get to just hang out on the beach. She's yeah. in. She's like, oh, we'll we'll go do that for two weeks. I'm fine with it.
1: And, and and what's cool? I mean, if you guys do come, um, all our all our ladies also love to hunt and fish, and um, so she you know they'll they'll get her involved as well, and and maybe make us babysit one night. You know what I mean? That way they can <laughs> yeah get a girls' night hunt or grow you know get a, a something with the girls. But um, it's it's uh you you do got to make it out to Texas because it's at least to our you know the tip of Texas down south. Um, anything that you know you want to the hunt let me know we'll take care of you
0: man we will we'll get that set up for sure after we're we're done recording we'll we'll chat off air and uh get some plans going but dude i appreciate you hopping on and chatting with me and i'm telling you i'm so pumped like every every time i go down to texas i get more and more hooked on texas hunting and fishing and every time i've got a guest on and i just hear i mean it I feel like with every podcast that I've done, with every conversation I've had about Texas hunting, we've still only scratched the surface of what all you can do down there. And so, um, yeah, man, I appreciate it. Before we hop off, why don't you share with the listeners, you'd mentioned the Instagram, mentioned the website, where specifically can they find you? What's the, what are those handles and the website?
1: So with Instagram, it's, it's literally just Buckhook. Um, B U C K H O O K. Um, And then we have a website at buckhook.com. Through the website, you can order some caps, order some shirts, order some hoodies. Um, We're constantly changing the merch. So whatever we make, you know, we make and then we run out. The next thing that comes up is going to be completely different. So whatever you see on the website only lasts on the website for, you know, a few months. Um, But as well, I mean, on that website, you can also look at some of the the hunts that we offer, the main hunts that we offer, which is the hog hunting, and then the we call it the shark hunting, right? Um, you can see some of the pictures that are on there, and then um, check out our Instagram. You can see a, a lot of our reels and a lot of our pictures, and um, if you follow us on there, you'll see that we're out on the woods or in the water. You know, every, it's almost like every single day, and um, any questions you may have, or any anybody has any questions in regards to the shark fishing or the, you know, any kind of hunting down here, reach out to me. I, I'd love to chat with you all as well and get you familiarized with uh, some Texas outdoors.
0: Yeah, man. Jason, what a good episode. I encourage everybody, go check it out. I mean, if you want just the best week of your life, every type of hunt and fish that you can imagine... Uh, go hang out with Jason and some of the guys down in Texas. So thanks, man.
1: Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on.